we need to do a what are we drinking mm-hmm. and a toast. Okay, what, where is my drinking? Where is my drinking? Previously on Booze and Buffy. I know about as much about Buffy as... Vagina. Oh. Joyce throws shades with the best of them. Throws shade? I, yes. But fuck that. Fuck that hard. Fuck that bareback. Oh my god. Hello, this is Tyler, and I'm here with Harrison. Welcome back to Booze and Buffy. We're watching and discussing each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, in order. No spoilers, because Tyler has never watched the show before now. And Harrison has seen it a bunch before now. Mm-hmm. Tyler, tell me, which episode are we watching today? We are watching season one, episode 11, Out of Mind, Out of Sight. And this is the one where they basically bully a band geek into not existing. And then she gets, like, almost as successful as any of the villains at murdering some of them. That was a very good description. Yeah, like, she's, like, probably one of the better villains Mm -hmm. in in this first season, I'd say. I I, I agree. We'll talk about that in detail. No, that's, that's... we haven't even talked about that yeah. yet, so I feel like that's, I'm putting my money on that. Yeah. Um, this next of, episode leaves a lot to be desired, if, <laughs> if that's the case. Like, I'm going to up the ante. Right. Uh, Get together. Fucking master. I assume he's the villain. No, the master. I just said the mastered. Um, out of Mind, Out of Sight was written by Ashley Gable, mm-hmm. has a story by Joss Whedon, and a teleplay by Thomas A. Swyden. And was directed by Reza Badi. The episode originally aired on May 19th, 1997. Mm. So I don't know what it means that, like... I mean, presumably, Joss Whedon came up with the idea for the story. Okay. But I'm not sure what the... De- delegate them. Yeah, but I'm not sure why the diff, um, the the written was... Uh, the credit for the teleplay versus written was differentiated by those two writers. But that's what the Buffy wiki said. Hmm. So, I don't know, maybe they wrote it together, but Thomas A. Swyden, like, like, actually wrote the script, but they constructed the story together. I'm not really sure. So, okay. listeners, if anyone knows, tell me. Do my homework for me. <laughs> okay. Do you have the, like, super edition? What's it, what's it called? Oh, the Watcher's Guide? Uh-huh. Uh, the version I have does not have, a like, an entry for this episode. Mm-hmm. I need to get, like, the... This is, like, the anniversary ver- edition mm-hmm. that has just specific episodes. So I need to go and get the original editions that have one for every episode. Mm-hmm. So. This far into our venture, I'm starting to get, like, target marketing ads for the oh, are you really? things. Yeah. Nice. I've, like, never, ever seen anything like that before. <laughs> it's very story. clear. I have not noticed a change in what I'm getting target marketed. <laughs> yeah. Oh! Goose and Buffy. Yeah. What will we see? Buffy. What will we drink? Bourbon. Wine. What will we think? Harrison. 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 Harrison.
Wilson's seen it all. Fuck yeah. And Tyler hasn't. What folk have words when we learn that again? Slay. What folk have words when we learn that again? Yes. What is on the gay agenda for today? Outfits. What is on the gay agenda for today? Angel. It's Booze and Buffy. Uh, Tyler, what are you drinking today? I think I'm drinking two buck chuck. What are you drinking? Uh, the same. I thought no, 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 no. You had something different. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So you you finish. We're drinking. I finished the two buck. You drinking? You, you drinking? You finished the bottle we were drinking while we were watching the episode, and I started a new one. What is it? So um, the one you you're drinking. It's two buck chuck. Yeah. There's, Charles. What is it called? Uh, Charles St. Butts or something. Isn't I don't know. This is shit from Trader Joe's. Yeah, it's Trader Joe's wine. And that was just, that one's a red blend. And it's like $2.99, so it's good. It's really good. This is the Montana. but like, you know. Inflation. But it's still two buck truck, so. Um, this is the Monte Pulciano D'Abruzzo, um, which is also just real cheap Trader Joe's wine, but it looks fancier than the one we were drinking. Yeah, I was like an Italian name. Um, I don't I'm like, you kind of like pronounced that right. Thank so. you. It doesn't say what type of wine it is. It just says red wine. So it's just red <laughs> wine. Um, what does it taste like to you? It's good. Oh, we buy this one a lot. This is one of our like go-to bottles that we get. We have, we have specific like wine that we like. You fancy, huh? Not really. I just like wine. Um, so, so yeah, shall we, shall we have a toast? Yeah. A toast. Mm-hmm. Here's to Invisible Girls. Okay. Here's to Cordelia Chase. Certainly. Who is, uh, not as evil as Invisible Girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. Uh, so, let's dive into Out of Mind, Out of Sight, um, which, of course, the title is a play on the phrase, out of sight, out of mind. Which, on this one, I feel like I was kind of on the right path. Yeah, um... my guess. You... So, it's been a minute since we've recorded. Can you... But I, I do seem to remember you being... Remind me of what your prediction was. I think mine was more about memory. Like, if I couldn't remember Mm -hmm. you, then you might disappear or something. Yeah, that that sounds right. Uh, Mind out of sight was where I was thinking. Yeah, I remember you were being, you were really on it. Like, I was like, like, you had the, or like, you had the right idea. Yeah. You weren't like. The fact that you could, like, think someone out of existence. Yeah. Yeah. I I recall us recording our last one and you were doing your prediction and I was like, he's like, he's like, it's really hard to do my poker face because sometimes you're really, really wrong and I just want to laugh at you. And sometimes you're like, you've got like a thank you, Lady Gaga. Tyler, you can't see it, but Tyler is doing a poker face, Lady Gaga, Spock hand. It's like a sideways Spock. It's like a you know, masquerade mask. Yeah. Masquerade. Um, that was in the Buffy finale? No, it was in the Sabrina, Sabrina finale. finale. Sorry, and it was weird. It was weird, but it was cool. I was here for it. I, I was. Well, this is this was my reaction to it. That song sounds familiar. That's fucking Masquerade from... Why is she singing Masquerade to Satan? All right, cool. I'm here for it. Yeah. That was my, like... Yeah. The show has... We're getting 
already off topic, but that show has used like show tunes in creepy ways before. Like I remember yeah. they. What, one episode they were singing like my favorite things or something. It was for, in the or Del Rey Me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like, but it was like demonic. Yeah. <laughs> some some people like, would argue that sound music is demonic, but yeah. Um, so regardless, I yeah, you were you here were, for Sabrina. I'm here for Buffy. I feel like Sabrina is also kind of playing to some Buffy tropes. Oh, definitely. Um, I think it's very similar. In any show. Honestly, and I think I feel like they make a Buffy joke in yeah. Sabrina at some point. But it, it, any, or any show that is about teenagers, do you, like fighting fantasy evil forces yeah. um, that came after Buffy, is going to yeah. It and they're on the mouth of hell, right? Like, Literally, like there's a doorway to hell there. Yeah, um, the whole like aspect of it is very similar. Yeah. So as I'm watching both of them, like sometimes I, I feel like I get them confused. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, out of mind, out of sight. I have to say, I know we usually talk to do this more at the end of the episode, but I really really. I like this episode a lot. Yeah. I think, um... We've watched it a couple times now. We have. It's like, I don't mind that. It's, um... I think it's one of the stronger standalone episodes of the season. They've definitely been... The villain's my favorite. Yeah, she's great. She's very interesting. She's very relatable, I think. Yeah. Um, that idea that, like... I'm like, you could be so... (laughs) Cut her face, cut her face! Um, But just the idea that you could be (laughs) so ignored that you would literally turn invisible, I think a lot of teenagers could probably, and, you know, probably a lot of adults could really relate to that. Not me. Uh, (laughs) Everyone likes me. (laughs) Everyone likes me. I'm so popular at this school. What's Cordelia's fucking acceptance speech? She's like, it's such a big responsibility. um, Yeah, she says, um, it's not my... Uh, it's not just my right to be this popular, but also my responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> Cordelia has some gems in this episode. Um, and I don't want, I don't want to say them all right now. I watched it a few times. Yeah. So I was like, that's Cordelia. I'm yeah. Um, I don't want to say all of them right now because then we'll just mm-hmm. won't have anything else to talk about. Um, but one of the things I, I do want to say about this episode that is what I really like about it is that we finally the show takes some time to um to actually give Cordelia some depth yeah um however shallow it is however shallow it is but it is a step in the right direction like oblivious yeah she well it's definitely I think two steps forward one step back for Mm -hmm. her we we get some vulnerability from her she talks about how she even though she's surrounded by people she feels lonely all the time which i think is also really relatable um but then at the end when she she comes and gives a sincere thank you two sides of the same coin yeah Yeah. when um she gives them a sincere thank you at the end but then when someone another popular person sees her she's oh no i was not talking to them um as much as i like cordelia and she's provided a lot of really funny moments over the course of the season so far. She's she's not been well-developed. She's mostly been around to say a funny line and then leave. So I'm glad we actually spent some some quality time with her this episode. Um, it's uh, actually one of my complaints about the last episode we watched, Nightmares. Mm. Um, I actually did not say, because it was a minor spoiler for this episode, mm. um... I, I mentioned that one of my complaints of that episode was some of the nightmares are a little 
two-dimensional, a little um, just stock, um, and don't give us any real insight to the characters. And I think that's especially true of Cordelia's Nightmare. Um, and I felt like, I, I whenever I watched that episode, I think, oh, that, that could have been a moment where we could have introduced some of those insecurities mm-hmm. that we explore in this episode. Word. Um, but before we get too far into character development, yeah. let's go plot. Let's do so it. So how's this episode start? So the episode starts with Cordelia and Harmony um, and Mitch. Harmony. Harmony with her fucking... You love Harmony this shirt. Harmony has an honorable mention outfit for this episode. Mm. It was a shirt, and I thought it had the um, Aristocats. Uh, the sister. Um, the, Marie. The, yeah, Marie. I was like, the little girl cat. Took me a second. Um, that's embarrassing. You're not a She's lady. the one who's like... You're just our sister. Are my eyes blue like sapphires? <laughs> that's my favorite part. Uh, um, but it looks like that. It's not. It's just a cat. Oh, it's not. I thought yeah. it was. It's uh, just a fun further inspection. It's not. It's not Marie from the Aristocats. Ogling her chest mm-hmm. for the cat decal. <laughs> and but it's like this. I don't know. She had some like pastel colored pants on or mm-hmm. something. But the shoes are like platform, mm-hmm. like black and white. Whenever they like zoom down to the feet. To see, like, Buffy spilling all the shit, I was like, Harmony! <laughs> Whoa! Well, and her shirt's a fucking crop top, too. Yeah. It's like, the whole ensemble it's is... very 90s. And she has a green ribbon in her in her ponytail. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's one of the best ones, but, um, let's keep moving. Yeah, so they, um, they're talking about the May Queen competition, and, uh, Cordelia is running for May Queen, and she's... Mm certain she'll win um and she's with her i guess boyfriend of the week mitch uh, who's such a fucking prick like she's like <laughs> my eyes are hazel helen keller <laughs> i was like damn girl <laughs> so buffy bumps into them and spills her bag of weapons Medieval weapons. She spills her bag of fucking medieval so weapons like on the star floor like, you know, of their public high school. And I know that it's the late 90s, but um, Buffy's excuse is that they are for her history class for show and tell. So I have two problems with this lie. First of all, they're in high school. They don't have show and tell. And even if you did, you wouldn't bring your fucking medieval weapons <laughs> that you borrowed from the jan- or from the librarian. From the janitor. From the janitor. From the librarian. <laughs> okay. The second second thing, Cordelia is in Buffy's history class. That's how they met. But <laughs> in that one episode, they were like, she was like, am I even in this class? Like, was it just made up? Was it? The Nightmares one? Uh-huh. Uh, well, she'd never gone to class, I think, was the... Yeah, but did it even exist at that point? History class? Wasn't that the whole, like... Uh... Well, yeah. I, I'm not sure if that particular day of class exists. But she still has a history class, because we saw her go to that in the first episode, where she met yeah. Cordelia. Mm-hmm. So, like... That's kind of where I was like, It's a bad lie. I don't know. Whatever that was, I was like, does that class even exist? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the nightmares just erased history. Yeah. The class. <laughs> um... So we go to um, English class, and they're talking about 
um, the Merchant of Venice. And, right. But Cordelia's just got this whole spiel about how Shylock is just wine, 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 and get over it. it totally just stab Caesar. Right? <laughs> um, and she, one of her great lines in this is she's talking about how uh, t- comparing her <laughs> life to the Merchant of Venice, and she's like, it's like this... Um, I ran over this girl on her bike with my car, and she uh, she was all worried about her leg, not about my pain. And Allison Hannigan just has this really beautiful... She doesn't have any lines in this scene, but she's just sitting behind Cordelia. Mm-hmm. And her reaction shots as Cordelia's talking is... Like, they're great. Like, she, you've got, she's got this look of, like, are you serious right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, but... It does kind of tie into that theme, though, of um, um, of Marcy. Yeah. We could you could kind of replace Marcy with Shylock. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Props to uh, props to her in this scene because I feel like that coat is kind of another outfit for me in this episode. Um, the blue Cordelia's no. Uh, Willows. Yeah, Willow. Over her Scooby-Doo shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people would wear that nowadays. Oh, yeah. I think so. Like, for, like, a Pride Festival or mm-hmm. something? Like, people would totally wear that. It was cute. It was cute. Yeah. Um, shout out to something that I had to explain to you what it was. What was it? Um, Cordelia um, refers to Shylock's excuse as a Twinkie defense. Oh, which I get look about. Get go with that. Yeah. So, um, so just some gay history for everyone. <laughs> I'm the one teaching gay, oh, I guess you teach gay vocab, I teach gay history at our gay classes. university. <laughs> um, gay you. Gay you. <laughs> um, welcome to gay you. Welcome In to today's you. gay history, uh, the Twinkie defense refers to Dan White, who uh, was murdered um, Harvey Milk. And the mayor of San Francisco at the time, whose name I cannot remember, so sorry, mayor of San Francisco up there in heaven. Um, Sorry, Californians. Sorry. Um, But uh, when he was on trial, part of his, Dan White's defense was that he, um, his diet was consisted of a lot of foods really, really high in sugar, such as Twinkies. And that like fucked up his body chemistry and his mind, and like put him like in a state of temporary insanity, um, which was basically laughed at by everyone. Um, it's such a bullshit defense, and it's been referred to in history as the Twinkie defense. Um, so it's kind of become a colloquialism for when someone's trying to um, defend their shitty actions. But have just like the the just the worst offense for it. Well, the the irony of it is that she's doing exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, moving moving along from that, and kind of related to Willow and her Scooby Doo shirt. Uh, in the next scene, um, we uh, we see Willow drinking another Kool Aid Jammer. Throwback. Did you ever know that the like lids are the thing? I did. 
Because and we've talked about it before That's on this podcast. I'm, I'm still like, I think we talked I'm about sick. it the last time Willow drank a Kool-Aid jammer. Maybe that's a thing. Just every time Willow drinks a Kool-Aid jammer, we're going to talk about how you can flip the lid. People need to know. People need to know. We are we are nothing if not educators. Like, my childhood is ruined. Ruined? <laughs> well, just like... Just knowing that that was a possibility that you never yeah. you never took advantage of. Yeah, your childhood is ruined. Should go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna invent a time machine. Go back in time and taunt you. With your cooler jammers. Yeah, I'm gonna be like, look, little bitch. You'll never know. Well, then I'll just know. And then... okay, I'll figure out a way to make your life miserable in the past. Hopefully, it's not cooler jammers. Continue. Anyway, um, um, so in the boys' locker room, Tyler's favorite part of the episode came up. <laughs> <laughs> they have half walls. So you can conveniently see his shirtless, wet upper torso, <laughs> but nothing else. Um, and it's timed so that his towel is, is like being wrapped around his waist as he's like, as his lower torso, not lower torso, but like the lower half of his body comes into view of the camera. Um, so yeah, Mitch, Cordelia's boyfriend Mitch is there. His line that is so gross where he's, um, he says something about there's he's talking with one of his buddies about the dance and so he's that's like not what I'm trying. Yeah, he's like you'll be on Cordelia's arm. He's like, Oh, that's not what I wanna be on. Gross. Also I feel like I don't know. That's not a very like clear joke. It's not clever. It's no. not it, it really does I mean it, it sounds like exactly what a gross like 16 year old would say about his girlfriend while he's talking in the locker room boys <laughs> but locker room doc lo- <sighs> okay um so yeah it's not very clever it is realistic but it is also just like what do you mean like mm. do you want to be on her anyway, body bo- yeah like on her I guess maybe that's what he means he just wants to be on her um, but anyway, he gets his comeuppance when, uh, based someone who of course we know now is Marcy Ross, mm-hmm. uh, just beats his ass with a fucking baseball bat. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a, it's a pretty well done scene. No. Um. For the time? Yeah. The only moments that don't work, there are two moments that don't really work for me. Um, one is the first time he gets hit with the baseball bat um it's just really clear it doesn't make any contact with him um and then they show for the most part it's just the baseball bat you see the baseball bat swinging with clearly someone holding it like off camera yeah uh but then they do one right at the end one cgi shot where you can see so where you can see the handle and no one is holding it yeah um and the cgi is just not great it's not egregiously bad for the time, it was good. Though. Yeah. Um, and I would argue it's a necessary shot, like, so that we can see that it's floating, it's yeah. floating by itself. So, um, they... Uh, What's the principal's name again? Principal Snyder. He uh, has a great line uh, after we find out, after the rest of the school finds out about Mitch. Yeah. There are no well, dead students here. In between, in between the back and... Um, there's a yes there's a conversation that we see with um, Willow Buffy and Xander uh, in the hallway 
where they're kind of like making fun of um, Cordelia and Xander and Willow were laughing about some sort of inside joke, something that happened with Cordelia and when they were like in sixth grade. Willow's like incoherent. Yeah, she's she's recounting, <laughs> she's recounting this story, but she's just like overcome with giggles about it. Um, and I, I think that's a like. That's kind of the point. Yeah. We're not supposed to hear what the story is. Yeah. Because we're, sp- we're seeing this from Buffy's perspective. And from Buffy's perspective, it's just this inside joke between Xander and Willow mm-hmm. that she has no... She doesn't get. It's a weird thing that this episode does. It's this, like, little subplot for Buffy that's tacked on. So that, that she's an outsider. Doesn't quite... Yeah, it doesn't quite... Like, it, it makes sense that maybe, you know, she's new she's to this... She's getting to know that. Yeah, yeah, she's new to this friend group. So there might be some things like that that might make her feel insecure, but doesn't really go anywhere in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she, we have some wistful moments um, where she is... Um, she kind of confides in her friends that she was her old school's, like, version of the May Queen, and yeah. we get the feeling that she's a little wistful for that. So it's, it's good shading to Buffy's character, yeah. um, but it doesn't... It doesn't really have a lot of follow through in the episode, mm. but it also doesn't take up a lot of time in the episode. So, I'm not sure that it needs follow up. I mean, we can just now we just know that yeah, th- those are things about Buffy. So, um, but then someone comes running through the hallway and he's like, "Mitch got whaled on," because that's how people talk. Mm-hmm. We cut to Principal Snyder, who says, "There are no dead students here <laughs> this week." <laughs> so that's not a school you want to go to. <laughs> um, um, so Buffy wants to go investigate, but Principal Snyder's like, "Hold up, listen here, Missy. You're not gonna go do that in my school, no, sir." Um, so Willow provides a distraction though by yelling loudly, "Mitch is gonna sue the school." And which immediately it's a it's a really great Willow moment because yeah. that immediately catches Principal Snyder's attention. He goes over to Xander and Willow, and they they're just spinning this yarn about how his dad is the like most powerful lawyer in Sunnydale. It's like all the other lawyers call him the Beast, <laughs> and Snyder swallows it like hook, line, and sinker, giving Buffy the opportunity to sneak into the fucking crime scene <laughs> where she finds the word look um, written in blood except probably spray paint um, on the lockers and Marcy deliberately left the lockers like open yeah. so that whoever found them ha- would have had to have closed them one by one like she's Vanna fucking white yeah and, like <laughs> there is one L on the board Um, very dramatic Marcy Um, for an invisible girl she doesn't go for subtlety Um, we see a lot of this episode from her perspective and also something I was going to comment on with maybe something kind of 90s about it which is kind of how like the camera is working Mm -hmm. it's very like floaty ghosty For a lot of the episode, like, there's a lot of points where it's, like, 
it feels like it's from her perspective. Yeah, definitely. There are lots of points where it like is explicitly like a flashback or something mm-hmm. occurs, but like there's plenty of other times too where the camera is just kind of like yeah floating kind of rocking a little bit and it just it feels very ghosty it's very yeah and it's i think it's most explicit in that first flashback where she's talking she's trying to talk to cordelia and harmony by the water fountain yeah and um and yeah the entire like take is from uh from her perspective um um it's kind of it it's an interesting choice and I think it's done on purpose because it keeps it keeps her off of camera even in scenes where she is mm-hmm. she is visible yeah um we we still don't see her yeah they um they're trying to figure out what this is they um uh they suspect maybe a ghost maybe someone's telekinesis maybe someone invisible it's one of well if the bat wasn't possessed itself Xander has a line maybe it's a vampire bat oh my god (laughs) and it's so corny and it is rewarded with looks of utter disdain from Giles and Buffy Uh (laughs) and they don't even they don't even give it they don't even justify it with a comment. They give him this withering look, and then they go back to what they're actually talking about. Um, so they decide to... Um, they're going to investigate. Um, Xander is assigned to do research with Giles, but he doesn't want to. So then they say, maybe you can find out more about Mitch. And he's like, yeah, I'll do that. But then he finds out that that entails talking to Cordelia. <laughs> so he's like, I'll do research instead. Um, so this is when we get our first flashback. Mm. Um, we see Cordelia and Harmony by the water fountain. They're talking about Mitch. And then we flash back to a similar situation, Cordelia and Harmony talking by the water fountain about Mitch uh, before Cordelia started dating and someone who we know is Marcy comes up to try to talk to them and um, they blow this person off. Mm. Um, spoiler alert, it's Marcy. The invisible girl. Marcy Playground. What? Marcy Playground. Marcy Playground. Or What's that band that sings? Ask the six and candy here. Who's that London in the chair? Who's that Kathy? Do you see it in my direction? Mama, it surely is a dream. Okay, listeners, if you know that song, is it Marcy Playground or Darcy Playground? Someone's gonna come back and be like, it's Janis Joplin, you idiot. I've never heard that song before. I don't know what you're talking about. I know about. Maroon 5 recently covered it, so that might help some of y'all. Okay. But, um, help me out. Help him out, bro. So if it's Marcy, then it's kind of appropriate. And if it's, it's Darcy, not, then it's... it's... Then, like, if it's Darcy, then, like, tell me something about, um... Oh, Harrison, what's that book? What? Mr. Darcy, what book oh, is he uh, Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> if it's Darcy, just... Just tweet us something about 
Fridge and Prejudice. Perfect. Fridge and Prejudice. Sarah Michelle Seller. Seller Seller Michelle Geller. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies bringing it back in. I'm linking it. Perfect. You've done it. Or is that, or is it Pride or Werewolves? Uh, No, uh, Little Women and Werewolves is the werewolf one. Pride and Prejudice is with Zombies. Um, So back in the present. Yes. um, uh, Buffy goes to Cordelia and is like, hey, we need to talk. And right at that moment, Harmony goes flying down those fucking steps. <laughs> and, like... I learned her name this episode. I think we learned her name this episode. I, like, I don't think the first time she appeared, which was in the second episode, I don't think she gets a name. I, I don't think she gets her name until this episode. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, that ball looks nasty. Like, it's a she should be dead. Oh, well, no, I know. But, like, I'm not talking about, like, Mercedes McNabb should be dead. The way her hair is, like, it's, like, totally a wig. Totally a wig. But, like, I feel like that fall should have killed Harmony. Or at least caused major spinal damage. I think my my ankle is broken. Yeah. Which is clearly not, because we see her later, like, she's totally fine. But, uh, (laughs) what's the principal's name? Snyder. Snyder, he pokes it, and she's like... And he goes, don't zoom. Don't zoom. It's a great moment. Um, I, I, it's, I, like, I really enjoyed the way they use Principal Snyder in this episode. Um, since the first time we saw him, there was like question, like, is he the bad guy of this episode? And in a way. Yeah. But now we're not, we don't have that mystery surrounding him. So it's just he's just the asshole principal. So we can just enjoy just him. kind of getting in the way of the actual bad guy. Yeah. So... Um, uh, Buffy sees a door open or something. You can hear. You can hear Darcy or Marcy or Marcy. whatever her name is. You can hear her laughing throughout the whole. Scene. Yeah, but no one else seems to notice. No one's like, "Hey, there's an invisible girl laughing." Uh, but Buffy does. Like, she's laughing like immediately after. She's like, "Oh my leg!" And you're like, <laughs> so yeah, Buffy's the only person paying attention, um, and she follows her into a classroom. And she bumps into her, which is Buffy's indication. She's presumably at the top of the stairs. What? The laughing. Well, she has she has to come down because we see her. She must come down while the whole crowd is running down too, because we really? see she goes into a classroom that's on like the lower First level. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's where Buffy follows her too. I thought it was on the second level. I think it was no. It was in the she first. Goes back up the stairs. It was down. No, it was on the first level because that's. Regardless, <laughs> it doesn't matter. She goes into a classroom. I'm just making shit up. Now. You are. I don't know. Um, Listeners, help me out. Is it? <laughs> is that song Marcy Playground or Darcy oh Playground? And is it on the first or second floor? So Buffy follows her into a classroom. Is the band she, room? Um, is no. It's not the band. Oh, we have, we're not in the band room yet. Yeah. The band room. Comes later. Um, She's in like the band closet. Um, she bumps into Buffy, gets away. Oh, right. Um, what? Right. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what I thought you said. Right, right, right. Um. So she bumps into Buffy, which is Buffy's indication that this is not a ghost. It's an invisible person. Um, so she asks uh, Willow to 
compile a list of dead or missing high school students. Yeah. Um, if you go to a school where you can compile a list of dead or missing students, well, you might just live in America in 2019. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so from there, we take a step away from the um, from the main plot of our episode mm-hmm. and take a little side trip with Angel. Um, so this doesn't go far in this episode. Yes, um, his dreamy face. Um, he um, he comes he comes to Giles at the library, startling Giles because Giles is looking in a reflective surface. There's no one there, but then when he turns around, Angel is there, and he's scared. Um, but he mentions um, uh, the Pergamon Codex, which is a, um, a basically a book of prophecies about the Slayer. Hmm. Um, and Giles is like, I really want that, but it's been lost, and Angel's meanwhile, like, not lost. Meanwhile, Giles is reading about, like, Vishnu or something? Yeah. Okay. Um, he's doing his research on the Invisible Girl. Yeah. Um, so, Angel's like, this book's not lost, just misplaced. I guess in Sunnydale. So, um, he offers to bring it to Giles. Giles kind of fills him in on the Invisible Girl situation. Um... And I, he has a moment that I really like for Angel. He says, um, they're talking about invisibility, and Giles says, like, it's, by all accounts, like, an incredible power to possess, or something like that. And Angel says, I don't know, looking in a mirror every every day, not seeing anything, seems like an overrated pleasure. Um, it's very wistful. I've said the word wistful a lot this episode, but... Yeah. Um, I feel like that's the whole, like, purpose of this villain being... Yeah. To kind of advance that. Yeah. Um, you know, we see Buffy feel invisible in certain ways. We mm-hmm. see, we know Cordelia does. We know Angel does, literally and metaphorically speaking. Um, mm-hmm. So they figure out. Um, uh, I'm sorry. We, we, they don't figure out anything yet. Um, they are very dumb. Um, they are waiting. They, we get another flashback where um, we actually yeah. see Marcy this time. I think it's one of two times. Yeah, in the bathroom. It's one of two times we actually see Marcy. Did you see that toupee? She, yeah. My cabin. <laughs> I'm so funny. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but she, yeah, we get this. Um, um, Marcy's in the bathroom with, and the other girls are there. The popular girls are there talking about some uh, lecture, uh, like alumni lecture they had just been on, yeah. and they're all bitching about it. And Marcy's trying to to jump in, specifically with a comment that you were quoting yeah. about the guy's toupee, and she's just getting ignored. Um, and even it goes so far as Cordelia to basically say her comment almost verbatim before they all leave. Um, and then she's like, <laughs> I'm so funny. I'm so funny. She's exiting. <laughs> it might be one of the other girls saying you're so funny. Maybe, but I choose to believe it's Cordelia saying I'm so funny. 
It's I. It's my. It's the hill I'm dying on. <laughs> um. So Buffy gets the list of um, dead or missing students, uh-huh. and um, she notices that one of the girls on the list, Marcy Ross, was in band, and she and Buffy had heard in her earlier encounter with Marcy had heard flute music. Mm. So she kind of suspects maybe that's who she's looking for. Um, she tracks her down and finds basically like a nest, um, including in the a, band room, which like to me isn't surprising. Like I, if, when I was in band in high school, if you told me that like one of our classmates, like, lived in the ceiling tiles, I probably <laughs> would have believed. Nice. Um, so, um, they, um, she finds Marcy's, like, nest. She finds her yearbook, um, which confirms that it is her that they're looking for. Um, and while this is happening, uh, Marcy goes after Miss Miller, which is the English teacher we saw earlier. What's the motivation there? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I think part of it is we do see that um, the the teacher, there's the flashback to the classroom. She was also ignored by the teacher. Yeah. Um, but we also see that the teacher and Cordelia do have a rapport. Mm-hmm. Um, the teacher offers to help Cordelia with her paper. Mm-hmm. So, and it seems like... Uh, I'm just adding a, kind of another little wrinkle to Cordelia's character mm. that she really likes Miss Miller. Yeah. Um, we only see her treat her with respect, which we've never seen her treat anyone with respect before. Even when she's being a dumb yeah. motherfucker, yeah. but she's... She's actively participating in class. Yeah. Her opinions are, and her analysis are a little suspect, but, I mean, she clearly read the book, like, read, read the play, like... Um, <laughs> So, um, you know, just a layer there that we haven't seen before. Um, so, yeah, I think it is the Cordelia connection, though. Mm. Uh, but maybe a little bit of that, too, that that first time she started going invisible was in that classroom. Huh. And this Miller just seems like a really good teacher. I don't think it's fair of Marcy to get upset that in a class where everyone was clearly raising yeah. their hand, that... If she can look at Cordelia and be like, and say like anything encouraging after her comments that are just like dumb as a rock, yeah, then yeah, like how then this character is like somehow benevolent. Yeah, and we see her call, calling on lots of different students. Um, I, I think maybe this is maybe to illustrate that some of Marcy's isolation. Mm-hmm. And in feeling invisible was internal. Yeah. Because just because she didn't get called on in this class discussion, there were lots of other students who also weren't getting called on. None of them turned invisible. Um, but it can compound if you're already yeah. feeling that way. Well, especially since, like, that character is supposed to kind of seem nice. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I, I think the intention, at least from my perspective of yeah. it, is that she wasn't intentionally ignoring the student. Um, but because Marcy already felt that way, this just was just another instance of it. And sometimes when you're feeling in certain places, you can't see outside of it. Um, and it does feel personal, even if it's not. Um, so she attacks Miss Miller, um, and will, or not will, um, Cordelia comes in and is able to save her. 
Um, and Marcy writes, listen on the, um, on the chalkboard. She does this thing. It's so weird that they put this in because they clearly had to, it's CGI of the chalk Mm. writing. And I think it's slightly better executed than the baseball bat, Mm. but there's a bit where you see the chalk like flip, like she's like holding onto it. And like, before she writes, she just kind of like does like a flip and catches it. And it's like, it's cool. Like, fine. Okay. But it's just weird that they took the time to, to CGI that. Yeah. Um, so I have nothing else to say about it other than it happens. Cool effect. Um, so they're looking at Marcy's yearbook where Willow discovers to her horror that everyone wrote nothing. Every, every single person who signed her yearbook wrote, have a nice summer. Except for Willow. Except for Willow. What did she write? Have a great summer. See? She cares. (laughs) Um, but I do really like this moment where Giles is, he says something about like, okay, generational gap. Um, and they explain to him that have a nice summer is what you write when you don't have anything else to write, when you don't really know anything about the person except maybe their name. <laughs> and it's, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I feel like, yes, that is so real. When you were signing people's yeah. yearbooks you, or hags, you just write hags, have a great summer. <laughs> or you did that little fucking weird, um, like S thing. Oh yeah. You know that S thing where you would draw like three lines and then three lines below it and you would like connect them and it would make like a weird S symbol? See, I went to Selmaville Elementary School, so we, we made that a lot. Um, so that kind of confirms for the, gr- the, the group that they don't, that Marcy didn't really have any friends. Everyone just wrote the generic, have a nice summer, except for Willow. Well, and they had four classes. They had four classes together, which is ouch like can you imagine that like someone coming to you and be like do you know this girl and they're like no I've never seen her before in my life and be like you had four classes with her and then she went missing <laughs> like, I'd feel shitty maybe <laughs> if I could feel I'd feel shitty um so that's when Giles proposes the theory that um being on the hellmouth where all the mystical energy is is so potent that Marcy's feelings of invisibility became real and she turned invisible they were metaphysical yeah he he gets like the quantum it's physics i'm like i don't think it's physics i think it's still magic but it's just like a specific type of magic Mm um there's also uh something we missed the the fbi cia agents are at the Pep rally. Yes. Or whenever Cordelia is like doing her acceptance. We see her, we see them pop up once or twice throughout the episode. But I think the only time, yeah, it's um, while Cordelia's talking and Xander has a, they see them and Xander's like, did Cordelia hire bodyguards or something? Um, So, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Where does that Um, bit with the chocolates? She's like, we don't want the fringe. That was actually early. I think it was earlier in the episode. It was near the beginning of the episode. She's giving out sweets. C for Cordelia. She's like, no, C for Wilma, dumbass. (laughs) I think she calls her Little Brain. Little Brain. Which is not the most clever, but still very mean. Like, (laughs) Little Brain. Ouch. 
what would be called little brain. Um, so they kind of figure out they, um, at this point, the gang doesn't know about the attack on Miss Miller, but they kind of deduce from the attacks on Mitch and Harmony, the common denominator there is Cordelia. Um, Cordelia confirms this when she comes in to tell them about Miss Miller. <laughs> and um, just this whole Cordelia's, interaction is so is, great. It's proving that, like, how oblivious she is. Oblivious, but also... Like, aware. Aware. Like, it's... She... I think she... She figures I, it's something. She is observant enough. She is seeing things and connecting dots, but she doesn't quite have the whole picture. Like, that whole thing where she's like, I know you're super strong, and you're always around when weird things are happening, and you have all those weapons. I was hoping you were in a gang. <laughs> 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 um, but she, she comes to them for help, and um, uh, she has another great line where she's like... Um, they attacked Mitch and Harmony and Miss Miller. Don't you see? It's all about me. Um, what a great way to write that, where you can take a show, you can take a character who's so self self involved, have three different people get attacked, and her reaction is it's all about me, and she's right. <laughs> it is. It is so funny. Like and Xander even comments I like, "Well, it's funny that a character like her." gets to say a line like that and it's not in the way that yeah like yeah it's you'd expect it's it's done very well um they explain to her that it's an invisible girl um it is a um so and they explain like, how she got became invisible so unpopular that <laughs> she turned invisible bummer um and then she has another great line which is my favorite line in the episode when um, they're trying to figure out how to stop Marcy, um, they figure she'll go after the go after the May Queen thing because that seems to be her whole deal, and they're like, "Well, we'll cancel the 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 crowning, the ceremony." Cordelia is not about that. She's like, "We can't let her win. She's evil. She's way eviler than me," <laughs> which is. Also, okay, Cordelia had another great moment that I feel like we glossed over. Whenever yeah. um, Mitch gets beat with the bat, mm-hmm. and she's confiding in Harmony about how, like, he's going to be all black. He was all black and blue at the hospital, and, like, he's not going to go with her dress. Yeah. And she, well, she starts off, she's like, he's so bruised and beaten, and she's like, seems really sad, and then she, and then that pivots to, how's that going to look in our pictures? <laughs> and Harmony... And kind of a sweet moment is like they can do wonderful things with airbrushing. Cordelia's <laughs> like, "You're right, you're right. Thank you." It's, it's uh, sweet in a fucked up way. Yeah, but um, back to her, her other moment, um, which was the um, they. Yes, yeah, she's way eviler than me. Yeah. Um, so they decide the gang decides to use Cordelia as bait to lure Marcy out. <laughs> Um, Girl, she was bored. <laughs> um, so um, Bucky's gonna stay with um, with Willow to bodyguard to got to like she's her bodyguard. Um, they go for Cordelia to get 
dressed in her gown. And then they have... Have you ever told anybody who was But they have, they have this really sweet moment um, where this discussion they have where she says something... She's like, oh, so she turned she turned invisible because she was so unpopular. And it sounds like she's being, at first, it sounds like she's being really glib about it. But then she says, it's really awful to feel that lonely. And Buffy says something like, oh, you've heard about it? And Cordelia's like, no. Like, I know, I feel lonely sometimes. I feel, um, I, I feel alone. I, um... Um, she she says something like, you don't have any idea what it's like to be surrounded by people all the time who are, I'm then paraphrasing, but like, who are so busy agreeing with you that they don't hear a word you say. Mm. Um, and so Bucky's like, well, why do you, why do you work so hard at being popular? And Cordelia's line, and I actually wrote this down because it's another really good line. It beats being alone all by yourself, mm. which is that's deep, Cordelia. That's some deep. Th- Cordelia's having some deep thoughts. Mm. Then she says something mean. Um, <laughs> um, so she goes into the broom closet to change. Yeah. They're having this um, discussion through the door, and then we hear the sounds of struggling. Buffy breaks through the door to see. Cordelia being pulled up through the drop ceiling. Like Spider-Man style. Right? So, so, yes, thank you for saying that, because that brings me to my question. How fucking strong is Marcy? That she could just fucking deadlift Cordelia off the ground and through the... I, I mean, I'm sure Cordelia doesn't weigh very much, like magic, but... You know? Yeah, she... Magic invisibility strength. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they... Um, Buffy follows... She gets, um, she gets knocked out by Marcy. She uses, like, a, some, some sort of anesthesia or something to, like, put her to sleep. <laughs> oh, bless you. Um, she uses something to put her to sleep. Uh, and then we cut to the bronze, mm. where they are tied up, Cordelia and Buffy. And um, on one of the curtains in all very nice glitter letters is the word listen. What was the second word? Uh, second word was or no, you're right. No, the second word was listen. listen. This was learn. So learn. it's look, listen, learn. Um, very alliterative, Marcy. It needs three to be in a language. It had three. No, I'm just saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> Two would not be. Um, Two would be coincidence. So, um, meanwhile, meanwhile, back at Sunnydale High, um, the the rest of the group, Xander, uh, Xander, Willow, and Giles, hear flute music. Mm. They decide, hey, maybe we can find her. Maybe we can reason with her. Mm. That leads them down to the boiler room, where they discover that it is a recording. Right, right. They are. Like, what does he say? Yelp. Uh, I think he says gulp. Gulp. Um, which I think is a it's also a Scooby Doo reference. Okay. Like when that is that. I feel like that's something they do on Scooby Doo. They're all like gulp. Um, the door slams shut. They realize the gas thing is on and the handle's been broken off. Evidently, you can't 
use metal on metal because that'll make a spike or spark or whatever. It will. That's science. Have you ever hit like a metal crowbar onto something metal like really hard? I mean, obviously not, because that makes no sense to me. Well, it's science, so. I was just like, when they got to that point, I was like, oh, come on, really? Yeah. Especially anything that you're hitting hard enough to, like, bust it open, that's going to create sparks. And in a room that's slowly filling with gas, that's not what you want to do. Because sparks and gas... Boom! Yeah. Um, Luckily, Angel is there. Um, he's not a real he's no he's still a vampire um, he's delivering the codex he came in through the basement smelled the gas went to investigate um, so he saves them it's a little convenient mm. but we'll allow it um, <laughs> he and then he goes and turns off the valve because um, he doesn't the, the, the gas won't affect him because mm. he's dead um, so back to the bronze um, we they're still tied to the chairs Marcy wants to um, she has filled Cordy's face with anesthesia um, so yeah like um, oh yeah it's a general that's you're right I was like, what's the word when it, like, doesn't put you all the way to sleep? And it's general anesthetic. Uh, so basically, Marcy reveals that um, she wants to teach everyone a lesson using Cordelia. And she basically, she wants to fucking disfigure Cordelia, which She's is... Kind of a mem- memorable thing. Yeah. Um, which is... There's kind of this moment where she's, like, talking... <clears throat> where she's talking to... To Cordelia about mm. just, like, everything that's wrong with her. And I feel like... We're watching Buffy like look at Cordelia, and I'm like, "You know what she's talking about." I think I think Buffy definitely ha- uh, agrees with some of Marcy's assessments of Cordelia. Yeah, but not necessarily with how she chose to <laughs> react yeah, to yeah. those feelings. Um, she says uh, she mentions that uh, Cordelia has a pretty smile, or but she, it should be wider, which immediately made me go like, ooh, what a great Joker origin. <laughs> and I have this image of the Joker, but Cordelia. <laughs> um, so uh, she does manage to, as she's ranting, she slices Cordelia across the face. Right. Um, Buffy manages to get free. And that's the costume right there. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like if you're going to go as Cordelia... From season one, for like Halloween, like go as her in her May Queen dress. May Queen dress, slice across her face. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, Buffy is losing her fight at first with Marcy mm-hmm. until she tells Cordelia, "Shut up." Cordelia goes, "Okay," <laughs> and then <laughs> Buffy's able to use that silence to pinpoint where Marcy is, knock her the fuck out, through a curtain, and then Buffy's like, then she can see you. I see you. It starts to beat the shit out of Peek-a-boo. her. Peek-a-boo. <laughs> Pikachu. <laughs> Not really. Um, 
And then the FBI agents come in. Here come the men in black. <laughs> Galaxy Defenders. Very nice. Which is coming out soon. I know. I'm so excited. Yeah. We should go see that. I mean, I'm going to go see it. Crossover. But... Maybe that's the explanation. They're aliens. The minute... The FBI people? Like the invisibility. Oh. It's, it's, yeah. Interstellar. Interstellar invisibility. Um, so, yeah, the FBI agents come in. Gamma rays. And it's, it's a weird... Just the FBI agents are a weird thing in the episode. Do they come back ever again? Um, I, uh, in a, Spoiler alert. Not, I will say not them specifically, but like... The government? I, I will say that concept is toyed with through the series. That's okay. just where I'll leave it. Yeah. Um, but it, it is a weird little thing that's tacked on there that I, I finally figured out while we were watching it this time. I think I know why it's there, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... I think it is to give, really is for us to get Marcy out of the picture without Buffy killing her. Mm. You know, like... Yeah, because they go through all this trouble of, like, putting it from Marcy's perspective, mm-hmm. really humanizing her. Yeah. Well, and she's... To kill her off seems... Right. And she's a teenage girl, which... Yeah. That would be a really dark place to take, like, the end of this episode is that Buffy kills her. Even, like... Even in self-defense. Well, she's a human. Yeah. Like, I, I don't... I think it's a right decision that they didn't go that way, but they needed some way of, like, getting rid of her. So, they take Marcy away. Um, Cordelia is saved. The next day, they come by. The uh, Cordelia comes by and talks to the gang. She's being like she gives cordial. Them, yeah, she cordial gives them a a very sincere thank you. Mm-hmm. Like she really recognizes that they saved her life, mm-hmm. they saved her looks, which <laughs> that matters. She's rocking a little scar on her face, Tupac? like what? Tupac. Tupac. Not Tupac. Ludacris. Nelly. There we go. I don't know what you are talking about. Millie was the band-aid. Oh, okay. I said the wrong. <laughs> um, she uh, she gives them a really sincere thank you, but then Mitch shows up, and she is quick to be like, "Oh, I'm not hanging out with them. I was giving them fashion advice. I love helping, like oh, the poor. The, you know, I'm charitable." So, you know, like we said earlier, definitely Look at the guy. two steps forward. He's also back with Mitch at this point. Yeah. Which is surprising to he, me. He seems like a dick. Like, I mean, he is a dick. Like, I, I mean, he, like, I like that scene where he had a shirt off. Yeah. Well, we, we can appreciate aesthetics. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just men of culture with our wine and our shirtless men. Um, and then in the final scene, we cut to the FBI agents escorting Marcy to school, presumably filled with invisible students. We can't see them. They're all turning pages in their books. They're all, yeah. Um, Marcy sits in a chair. They're like, hi. Um, hi, how Marcy. Does Marcy, no. Which seat? To Which sit? seat to sit in? Is there? Can they see each other? Maybe, maybe, or maybe they can sense. Like, if you're invisible, like you. you your other senses are heightened, so you can kind of tell. Yeah. Um, or maybe they go under, like, I mean, this is the FBI, so, like, 
some sort of like genetic twist. Maybe they get some like super glasses. Maybe or maybe they just said like as they were leading her to the classroom, they were like second row, mm. first desk in the out of the aisle. That's your seat. <laughs> That's actually probably a more realistic answer. They just told her which. I like that they have more superpowers than we do. But uh, she opens her book, and the title of the chapter is assassination and infiltration which is kind of cool the the government in the buffyverse is um is training invisible assassins and marcy's reaction is cool (laughs) (laughs) she's into it yeah uh so that ends out of mind out of sight um okay so we gotta do some segments we have to do some segments so um we really, honestly, I think we've touched on most of our segments throughout the episode, but we'll we'll just go through them. Themes. Yeah. Um, bullying. I, I, bullying. Um, and I think... Invisibility. I think that feeling of invisibility. I think Being bullying seen. is... I, I think that is the theme, is that how, how you can feel so invisible. Isolation. But, um... The bullying is an aspect of it. That's one thing that can make you feel invisible. Yeah, like being alone is more the... Right. Um, And really that everyone can feel that way. Yeah. Even the most popular person in school, even the 200-year-old and sold vampire. um, It doesn't matter who you are. You can feel invisible. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think that's the thing. It's a very clear cut. Um, I think it's... We've talked several times about that, um, the, the show's tendency to take something, something out of high school and then make it supernatural. And I think this is very obviously that, but also one of the most successful forays the show has taken into that. Um, Marcy as a villain is really relatable. Um, I think fairly interesting. Yeah. Um, and you said, like you said, she, she has Buffy totally incapacitated mm-hmm. um she's her plan nearly succeeds yeah um, she gets as close to murdering them as anybody mm-hmm. so um uh so yeah um character stuff cordelia heavy and i'm glad cordelia finally got some shades mm-hmm. um not some sunglasses but like <laughs> yeah um those layers i think are there were some good moments for willow as well they weren't really like spoken necessarily but yeah um xander doesn't do much he has two things in this episode he has one line that's gross and one article of clothing that's gross. What's the article of clothing? Is it another porn? It's his peep show shirt. Peep show. Uh, mm. What the fuck? <laughs> You're like, I can't even peep show. Pour me more wine. Um, his other thing is... Um, he just has a line that when he's talking, they're talking about being invisible, and he was like, "If I were invisible, I'd use it to guard the girls' locker room." Which is basically what I said about the boys' locker room. <laughs> so, like, double standards are something. Is it that creepy? Yeah, but I don't think you ever said you were going to sneak into a boys' locker room invisibly to spy on people. Mm-mm. I was just jealous of the girl who was. Yeah. So, and we get to go into boys' locker rooms. <laughs> um, That's assuming I go to the gym, which is, like, a lot to unpack. 
Um, Giles and Angel have a moment. It's mm. cute. Go on a little date in the library where they talk about prophecies. And they look in the mirror. Look in the mirror together. Only one of them's in it. Um, and then they kiss a little. They don't. Mm. Um, so, yeah. That's character stuff. Um, we really did, I, I think, talk about most of those. We already mentioned our, our, our Harmony stunt double. Yeah, um, that wig. Good job, good job, Harmony stunt double falling down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a death count this episode. No one died. No one died. Um, so R R I P. No one. Okay. Or not out for no one. Giles remained conscious the whole episode. Okay. Um. Yeah. There's no songs. There. Well, no, but there are. Um, There's music. There is music. So we've got the score. It's very creepy. Very creepy. I like it a lot. I, I noticed that. And we do hear some flute music as well, which I think yeah. is a Bach concerto, is what what okay. is being played. Um, Did John tell you that? No, it was on the Buffy wiki. Um. Speaking of playing the flute, yeah, my husband plays the flute. We're That's surrounded. Why I was like, <laughs> we're surrounded by flutes right now. I'm literally holding one, two, three, three flutes in my hand right now. Well, what? one's a recorder. We don't need to hear about your sex life, Tyler. I'm not that kind of flute. <laughs> Sorry. So this one, I think I just. It's fine. It goes back together. It's covered in duct tape. Um, it's sonata in E flat major for flute and harpsichord. I Bach. Harrison, what's on the gay agenda for you? So I've got three, and I won't say one of them because I, I know it's. A lot of things to say about this I I won't say one of them because I know it's yours. So I just okay. I'll just leave it out. But so that I have two. Um, How considerate. Of you. So first of all, my first gay agenda is maybe was there maybe a little heat between Buffy and Cordelia when they're walking in the hallway and having a heart-to-heart. And maybe, maybe they should have gotten in that room closet together. Maybe. It's just, you know, just something to think about. Okay. Um, my second is uh, more of a meta gay agenda, but Marcy is played by actress Clea Duvall, mm-hmm. who is... Um, this is one of her very first roles, but she's, um, she's in uh, so many things. Um, most recently, she was on Veep, which is a fantastic show. Yeah, um, she's well, it just really, ended really, as well. It just ended as well. Um, I had a much less mixed reaction to its finale. I loved the beat finale. But um, she's just a really, really great actress, um, and she's famously very openly gay um, and just a huge advocate for the, the queer community. Um, she was in But I'm a Cheerleader. Um, it's We'll watch it. It's a great movie. Um, so, so that's my gay agenda. Um, one internal and one external. And mine's external? Maybe. The locker room scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that was the one I didn't say. If there's a shirtless man, that's our gay agenda. <laughs> Can we have all the a tally for shows. that as well? Maybe. <laughs> Keep track of Wait, just death count and like shirtless dude. Yeah, yeah. I think we can. I, that could give it have been our title. Death count and shirtless dudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunity. Give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. So, 
Before we segue into gay agenda, yeah. or not gay agenda, that was gay agenda, gay vocab, yeah. I want to share oh. um, a some gay vocab that we've talked about already on the show okay. that um, that I have now encountered okay. in my very real life. Which, which okay. So, I'm in a show right now. Yes. Uh, it's a very gay show. It's a very gay show. It's called Hit the Wall. It's about the Stonewall Riots. I give you all the information and say, come see our show. But by the, time this, by the time this record, or this is released, it will have, will have finished our run. Uh, but yeah, it's about the, the Stonewall Riots. And um, one of the, in one of the scenes, there is um, this character named Carson, who is a drag queen. And Carson... Has this this other character who says something really bitchy about about Carson? So Carson goes and gives gives this character this like four paragraph monologue of insults, mm. and it's oh it's a work of art. And uh, our mm. actor who plays that role just performs it so well. But one of the lines is, that is really significant within that mm. is um, "Look upon me, motherfucker." And then followed up by, like, um, uh, you see a true blue bitch standing before you. Mm. So, fast forward to later in the play, the character who was on the receiving end of that monologue of insults Mm. delivers a monologue of insults to my character, Mm. who is a shitty, white, racist, gay dude. Okay. And, um... He uh, the, uh, he recycles the "look upon me, motherfucker," a true and the a true blue bitch line from the earlier uh, monologue, and Carson overhears this, and and says, "You stole my read, bitch," and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my god, I know what that means." Yeah, because of gay vocab, and and then Carson's like, "Keep it." Yeah. And it's a sweet moment. But I was just like, I was, I was so excited for me because otherwise I might have gone, what does this mean? And mm-hmm. all the other gays in the You rehearsal, probably would have come up with some other, like, logical explanation maybe. of what it might be. <laughs> um, but I didn't have to embarrass myself in front of all the gays. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my goal, yeah. is to not embarrass myself in front of gays. That's why you made this podcast. Yeah. So teach me, teach me something. Well, okay, coming into gay vocab, and this week's, this week, yeah, this week's word is beat. Like what you would do to a misbehaving child. Um, I do not endorse beating children. In a way, actually, like you're not wrong. Okay. Um, in that it is like the physical beating. Um, it is a let's see it's a verb ideally it's beating a face okay to apply the perfect amount of makeup on the face resulting in a flawless look okay the term references the motion of constantly dabbing a makeup sponge or brush against one's face okay her face is beat for the gods so in this episode 
to go ahead. That'd be Cordelia. Yeah. Who looks flawless, even when her face has been slashed the fuck open. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, that's the Halloween costume for yeah. this season. One look we didn't mention before, but I really want to bring up, is when she goes to ask them for help, she's wearing this, like, yellow skirt, yellow top, yellow dress, yellow headband. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so cute. Yeah. It is amazing. So, yeah. But the beat is more about the face, the about makeup. About the makeup. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, beat for the gods. Um, it's funny, because other people would guess maybe, like, beat, like, ugly. Maybe, like, they look busted. Yeah. That's kind of the other way I feel like some people go for it. And in a way, it's not, like, totally wrong. Because it's, like, it means, like, you have makeup on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. So, um... But, yeah, no, it, it's more about the application of the makeup itself. Cool. Dabbing. Um, yeah. Dabbing. Hit the dab. I just... I just... For our viewers at home, mm. I just dabbed. Your listeners at home? <laughs> nope, I'm standing by it. Cool. <laughs> listen with your eyes and see with your ears. Look, listen, learn. Learn. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, so um, just general takeaways from this episode. Mm. I really like it. I think of the first season... Uh, of the standalone monster of the week, or I guess villain of the week would be more accurate. Um, I think this is one of the most successful ones. Yeah. Um, the villain makes sense, is interesting. They are a character. A They're character, not, not a fucking praying mantis. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and we get to know our characters a little more, especially Cordelia. So, let's do predictions. Um, you want to start with generalized predictions and then move on to the next episode specifically? Yeah. I mean, it's the next episode the last episode. Right? Of the season, yeah. So, I'm thinking we're, I mean, evidently it's not a plot hole, but, like, I feel like we're going to see more of Angel. Mm-hmm. In this episode, you know, Angel was really there and then he's gone. And, mm-hmm. and he just, found the Book of Prophecies. Yeah, it just like you just like where did he go? Oh, cool, he found it. Awesome, wonderful. Yeah, he had a whole adventure off screen that we didn't get to see. Yeah, that thing. That may not be a plot hole, but I feel like it beckons for more angel in the next episode. Okay. Okay. Um, beyond that, um, I mean, we've really seen some from almost everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to go through the list. Um, we've seen stuff from Buffy, certainly. We've seen Xander and Willow have had their moments mm-hmm. within the season, and so has Cordy. I, I'm thinking maybe Mom's going to come into play. Okay. Also a master. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Angel. Okay. All right. So, so you're thinking... Um, next week, our whole ensemble is is coming together in some way. That makes sense. It's maybe some sort of conflict or okay. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Prophecy Girl. I'm Tyler, and you can follow me at TG Dippold. That's D I P P O L D on all social media. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. You can also find us on YouTube.
Harrison's going to be on there talking about a bunch of shit that I can't hear. It's called Spoiler Corner with Harrison. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. All right. Well, with that, go slay. And be gay. And be gay. May the gay be with you. May the gore. That's so deep. <laughs>